evening, folks, and welcome back to another episode of South of the Cheddar Curtain. As always, it's your boy Devin Hine sitting across the table from the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Lucas Mueller. You want to say hi to the folks, Luke? Hello, folks. And guys, we're back. Wasn't a three-month hiatus? No, no. Just a week this time, just like it's supposed week. to be. Yeah, right? Feeling feeling good, being back in the swing of things. Yep. The season's just around the corner. Everything's great. Apologize for the impromptu hour and a half episode last week. <laughs> We've already discussed that we're going to do our best to keep it a little shorter. We're going to get back to our more traditional format. Yep, yep. That being said, I still feel like this episode has a risk of being like all over the place just talking about stuff in the game and then a lot of uh moves with players and transactions and injuries so we'll try to keep it straight ahead as much as we can but please bear with us that would be appreciated all right so traditional format are we starting with what we liked on offense in our 20 to 10 win over the saints absolutely so uh well let's just start with where we ended kind of last time jordan love Jordan Love, is he important? Uh, he could be. I mean, hopefully he's not, actually, this season. I hope he's very unimportant. Not this season, no, but obviously, you know, but for supposed the to be quarterback of the future. Quarterback of the future, trade bait, whatever. Him playing good is good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right? So just the stats alone don't look great. 12-24, 113 yards, a touchdown, and a sack. That's that's not good, right? That's 50% not great. completion percentage is laughable. Correct. Correct. Definitely not NFL caliber. However... I think that he played probably the best football of his career that we've seen at the NFL level in this game. I would easily second that. He had kind of a lull um, after the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, because he was he played through the third quarter. Um, but he had a little bit of a lull, I felt. I felt he dropped off, but he started incredibly strong. Really made some some big-time plays, I thought. Like we've been talking about, he's looking a lot more comfortable. Um, I think it was Matt LaFleur has been saying in his press conferences that he just wants Jordan to let it rip before it sort of seemed like he was the check down king and it was really scared. Like you could read it on his face. And now he's, I mean, he's throwing bombs to, to dubs, to Toure. He's checking his reads. Like I think it was either the first or second play uh, of our first offensive drive where we go gun and, you know, he's looking around, no one's open five, six, seven yard gain. Like, and he's been doing that. Yeah, he just tucked it and ran, right? And that that's kind of what I want to see, right? He's hes athletic, but he's not hyper-athletic. This isn't Malik Willis, Lamar Jackson, even Josh Allen necessarily. But utilize that, right? You are athletic. If it's not there, or if you're having trouble reading the field or, or whatever, don't be afraid to just pick up some yards. So I like the decisiveness of that play, if nothing else, right? And he picked up first down for us. It's the little kind of plays that keep a drive rolling, keep you moving, get on to the next play, hopefully have a bigger impact. But I I loved that right off the gate. I was like, oh, that's not something we really see from him. No, I mean, we saw, was it the read option in San Francisco? Yeah. But just scrambling on broken plays, which yeah. was something that, you know, coming out of Utah State, we were told, oh, yeah, this guy's great off script. And last season, we didn't see it at all. It, literally and, not one bit. And I think this game, last week too, but this game, we really saw it, that when things break down, he's able to move around. Mm-hmm. He was, I think he did a lot better job of feeling pressure. Yes. In a few circumstances, though, he like he did take a few sacks, which I don't really blame on him. You yeah. know, it's a lot of backup offensive linemen. 
young guys. But a few of them, when he went to scramble, I would have liked for him to look around a little bit less. Not looking like it was receivers, but like he's like looking to feel the pressure. Just take it and go. Right. Like just, if the play is broken, don't hesitate. Just go for it, buddy. Yeah, just tuck it, get some yards, call it a day, move on. Right. I think there are a couple of plays of his that really stood out outside of that first one. I'm glad you brought that up because that made me so happy and it was such a small play, but something we haven't really seen from him. The other kind of off script go with what you were saying play that I loved was I think his best play of the night, even though it was incomplete. That's where the Devin's across from me grinning. I think I know moment. exactly yeah. what you're talking where about. Where he's like eludes pressure, eludes pressure, you know, moves out left, kind of dances around, and then just rips it down the sideline out of bounds. Like the thing's three feet out of bounds, and Patrick Taylor tries to do a tiptoe <laughs> catch or like four-string running back, fifth-string running back at yeah. this point. Not the guy that's going to make that happen, if but he, he tried. If he did, that, that would have been, been the best play of preseason I've ever seen in my life. Correct. But perfect ball placement. I mean, that's something that Devontae Jordy would have caught from Aaron Rodgers like that. That looked beautiful. And he put it where only Patrick Taylor had a chance. Now, did Patrick Taylor ever have a chance? No, probably not. But perfect ball placement. Out of bounds, try to make the tiptoe catch. I loved that. And you could tell he didn't think. He saw Patrick Taylor. He just ripped that thing in there. That's what we need to see more of. And that's what we saw a fair amount of, thankfully, this last game. Dude, it was amazing. He kept on scrambling, and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, you keep waiting for something bad to happen. And granted, it wasn't a completion, but watching it, it sort of felt like it was going to be one of those great highlight plays. I mean, if Patrick Taylor catches it, it is, but just, like, the ability to keep the play alive, but also to keep your eyes downfield mm-hmm. in despite of that pressure and despite of the pocket being completely collapsed around you and running for your life. When 300-pound men are chasing you, and these men are chasing you for their livelihood. Correct. It's preseason. I got to give the man a lot of respect. He showed a lot of heart in this game. He absolutely did. And what we saw a little bit from him last year, I think, is he'd get some pressure, and then he kind of maybe run around a little bit and then just kind of chuck it up. Right? He did that, I believe, at least once in the Chiefs game. And, like, you can't do that. I know he definitely did in the Lions game. He definitely did in the Chiefs game, yeah. I think it was – there are a few, like – chucks to Devonte and pray and just no right and he can't do that but this was like a specific choice yes where this was going to be a touchdown or an incompletion and there was no other chance for anything else to happen very high risk incredible or very high reward incredibly low risk so i love that that showed a lot of maturation out of him making the right play even if he just chucked that ball out of bounds i think we all would have been content but that was nice that was really nice to see and there were a couple other I think big-time throws he made, uh, specifically on crossers. Yeah, he hit Winfrey on a beautiful one, man. Winfrey. Winfrey. That man is making the roster. He has been balling out all preseason. I I think he probably is, yeah, which makes me a little sad given who I think he's going to edge out, but we'll get there. We'll We'll get get there. there. Uh, But he had another really nice one to to Dobbs as he kind of came across. And what I liked about that ball placement was he threw it where – Dubs had to come back to the quarterback a little bit. He kind of had to cut it a little short and come back a yard or two, which is kind of unusual on a crosser. It's not normally how you would throw that football. You kind of want to lead the receiver out there. But the safety was coming down over the top. He could have made a play on the ball if he had kept leading him. So he brought him back, made the secure catch, boom, another like 20-yard gain. Beautiful. That's something, even going back to last year, I think one of the first real good plays we ever saw to Jordan Love 
was a crosser to Amari Rogers in like his first preseason game. You're like, cool. So that seems to be a, a play he's very comfortable with. Getting those receivers on crossers, he kind of knows where to lead them. I really liked what I saw out of that. And then another one to Dobbs that he didn't come down with. He kind of misjudged, right? But beautiful ball placement over his outside shoulder there, kind of d- towards the sidelines. Romeo was kind of spinning around, didn't quite make the catch, didn't know where the ball was, but great ball placement down the field there. He had another late bomb to Toure, which he just couldn't come up with. But, I mean, hey, beautiful ball placement, but also Toure with a chance to catch that ball in double coverage. It's an incompletion, but that play is still a win in my book. What I think what I love is he's he's showing a really nice deep ball. Good placement and very catchable. And the fact that he's just throwing it. Yeah. Like I said three minutes ago, LaFleur kept saying, you know, when all these reporters are like, what do you want to see out of Jordan Love? The answer was, I just want to see him let it rip. Which he 100% is doing, right? I mean, he's not nearly as late as he used to be. I mean, this is all a game pretty much we're talking about here, but he used to be kind of late on a lot of stuff, which comes when you're indecisive. You don't necessarily trust your eyes. Um, the hesitancy. Yes, yeah. the hesitancy to, to let it go, and that just makes things worse because that, that split second that you took to release the ball, now the corner or the linebacker or whatever is in that much better position, right? Mm-hmm. But he looked great, man. I really liked what I saw there. Really, really liked what I was seeing. And it goes back to, we've talked about it before on the show and off the show, is you just want to see the flash, right? And we're seeing it, and it's fun to watch. I saw the talent, 100%. Saw the talent this game. Loved it. We're watching the game in two hours also. Love, pun. See what you did there? <laughs> but we're watching the game in two hours, and I can't wait. Like, absolutely, just to watch the kid play, to see what he does. Yep. And, and it, for me, it really is the off-script stuff. Right. That's what we love about Rodgers. But like as a young NFL fan, like I remember being attracted to guys, you know, like Michael Vick, guys that would make stuff happen when the play breaks down. 100%. Granted, not comparing Jordan Love to Michael Vick, but it is that ability when the things break down to just, you know, pull a rabbit out of your hat and save a play. Right. And you look at the the best quarterbacks in the league right now, except Tom Brady. Um, That's what they do, right? Allen, Mahomes, even Russell Wilson for. For all he is. Lamar. Lamar. They're, they're all, you know, scramblers and the ability to make a play when the play is broken. Correct. Correct. They have that innate ability to make something out of nothing. We're finally seeing that out of Jordan Love. I think we're both very pleased Incredibly. with this preseason so far with Mr. Love. Incredibly. We discussed this a little bit before the show. We'll kind of jump into the preview. You know, this is a big game for a lot of people tonight and especially for Jordan Love. Yeah, yeah, right, because there's a lot potentially riding on this. Obviously, he's our backup quarterback this year, for all we know at the moment. Most likely, yes. Most likely, but uh, we want to feel good about him being the backup. We also want to feel good about dangling him out there for a potential trade bait if we don't think he's going to be around for very long. I was telling Luke before the show that you know the rumors, the Jordan Love rumors, trade rumors, are kind of circling back around again. Uh, it seems like the Colts... And the Seahawks are teams that are linked, which I don't know if this is just, you know, football reporters, you know, bringing out narratives so they can write articles. Or maybe there are some leaks. If you think about it on paper, the Colts, Frank Reich is great at developing quarterbacks. Correct. Right. 
yeah. good offensive scheme. You have 34, 35 year old Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're all kind of prisoner of the moment of Tom Brady, like playing, he's what, 42, 45, 50, whatever he is now. I think he's 44. We cannot assume that every quarterback is going to play that long. Matt Ryan is not playing for 10 more years. No. Absolutely not. Like Philip Rivers, I think, was about the same age that Matt Ryan was. And you could see it towards the end of his time in Indy. Like he looked, he looked like he was getting that old. Big Ben, right? Oh, yeah. Big Ben, awful. Awful, awful, awful. And these are guys that, okay, I don't want to say I grew up rooting for Big Ben because some of that off the field stuff makes me, you know, weirded out gross. But like we grew up watching Big Ben and Philip Rivers just tear NFL defenses a new one. And then to watch them be a shell of themselves, it was painful to see. It really was. It was. And Matt Ryan's not there yet, but you don't know when that cliff's coming. He actually, he could be there. We won't know till this year gets going. Exactly. So it makes sense that Indy's looking at him. In Seattle, you have Drew Locke and Geno Smith, just the most interesting quarterback room in the NFL. <laughs> most interesting is in why would you think that was a good quarterback room to have, but I'm not Pete Carroll. I mean, I think now that we're going to talk about the Seahawks for just a second here, guys, um, just start Drew Locke. Why not, right? I mean, you're not going to win any games with either one of them. Drew Locke will at least be entertaining. You know, he'll whip the ball 70 yards and be dancing on the sidelines. It'll be for an interception, but it's fun. You know, P. Carroll hates Drew Locke. Oh, a hundred percent. Everything like it's it's so easy to read the way he talks about him both his facial expressions. Like he is Team Gino all the way. And at this point, we know that Gino can't do much of anything. Yeah, that's that's one of the all time quarterback busts. Yeah. So at least Drew Locke would be fun while you go down in a blaze of glory. A lot more highlights and lowlights, but oh, without you know, a doubt, with Gino, it's just meh. Correct, you know, just meth the whole time. Probably like 4% or 4 yards per completion at Correct. best. Correct, where Drew Locke's going to sling that thing over the mountains. <laughs> All right, so let's <laughs> circle on back to our team. I'm good on moving on from Jordan Love at this point. I think we've established he's looking a lot better, but tonight is going to be a really important game for us, whether we decide that we're keeping him or, like you said, trade bait. Tonight's a big one for Jordan. Correct. I think we should keep it in the quarterback room, though. The oh. star of the show. The best player on the field, Hall of Famer, Danny Etley. One play in Lucas in Love, guys. You see oh, this? Well, hey, hey, play back the tape. I talked about how this man did nothing at practice but run from point A to point B at full speed. And now I see why, Devin. I see why it paid off on the field. Because what did that dude do? He ran from point A to point B at full speed. Point B just happened to be the end zone. Practice makes perfect. Man, I didn't know. I didn't know I was watching greatness practice right there um until we saw it on that that beautiful play you had a glimpse into the future i did and i had no idea i had no idea so danny etling did this exact same thing when he was the patriots backup in preseason a couple years back and it was the highlight of the preseason and we were sort of joking back and forth before the show like you know if you're the saints and you see that this etling kid is in don't you sort of have that like as a scouting report you know, watch for the read option, watch for a scramble. I know it's preseason, but like you still have meetings. You're still scouting the opponent. It just was a little amazing to me how easy that was. Well, I think part of it is you're scouting the opponent, right? Where you're still using the Packers playbook. Read option is not exactly something we pull out very frequently. More lately in the preseason we have been with J-Lo. In preseason we have been. I saw it a couple times when I was at training camp. 
it it's a legitimate play in the playbook now where I don't think it has been in the last couple of years. But I don't want to see it consistently with Aaron Rodgers. It worked once against Jalen Ramsey, and that was hilarious. But <laughs> I'm going to pass on that pretty much for the rest of time. I imagine that that is exactly the situation will be brought out again. You know, like a, a two-point conversion play or something. Still makes me nervous. Maybe a little bit less nervous because we actually have an NFL quarterback that can come in and play now. Like, I feel so much better at this point. Knock on wood, how tonight goes. But like before, if Aaron gets dinged up and has to come out, it's like, oh, God. Well, we saw what happened in the Chiefs game last year, right? Defense balled out and J-Lo just literally did nothing. But this is a much different J-Lo. Completely agree. This is not J-Lo of last year. This is not Brett Huntley. This is not... Every backup we've had besides Matt Flynn and Scott Tolzien. We're going to put Scott Tolzien in that okay, category as Scott well. Scott Tolzien is a hot take. Although the Spin move. Aaron Rodgers did compare Scott Tolzien to uh, your boy. Why Which am, boy? Why am I blanking on his name? <laughs> third string quarterback. I'm having a night. Oh, third string quarterback this year? Yes. Danny Etling? Danny Etling, thank you. I have brain farts. I'm human We literally too, just okay? talked about him for like five minutes, man. Yeah, but then you you said Matt Flynn, and my brain just went in a whole another stratosphere. Do you need a moment over there to collect yourself thinking about Matt Flynn? <laughs> All right, I'm good. Which, oh, by the way, Jordan Love does wear his jersey. Okay, fair enough. He wears number It's a lot of pressure. There's a lot okay. of greatness in that jersey. Okay, let's move out of the quarterback room. All right, so out of the quarterback room, let's stick on the offense. I think it's important for... For us not to go to an hour and a half episode that we really key on, key in on the key players on offense and defense. Guys that we're hoping to have a bigger role. Um, guys that are looking good, the guys looking bad. So on offense, Romeo Dubs continued to be Romeo Dubs. He had a beautiful mossing in the end zone where he just went up and over the cornerback, said that ball is mine. Great to see it. Oh, I love that. Especially that's not something that I would assume he has in his repertoire. He's a he's not a small player. He's like 6'1". Yeah. But that's not necessarily... I don't think he's quite the build you would assume is goal line fades all day. You no, know? No, but when we saw it, I, I was, was like, like oh, okay. All right, Romeo. I see you. Right. I see you. <clears throat> so, Romeo's looking good. I already mentioned, I think, Jawan Winfrey. I didn't look too in-depth in the stats, but when I was watching the game and watching the replay, I didn't see any on-target drops. I don't think so, no. There were a few that Love just missed, but Winfrey was money again. So his stock is definitely on the rise. I think after our last episode is when the Packers cut Dominic Daphne, and Luke immediately texted me like, oh, like you know, who's going to be your new player to talk bad about? And I immediately said Tyler, Tyler Davis, and I was hoping I'd be wrong, but yet again, Tyler <laughs> Davis doing Tyler Davis things. Letting you down. Fumbles, more penalties. I don't know, man. I don't know. And he's tight end, what, four? But a four, really yeah. key spot. We've talked about this because Big Bob is the only real vertical threat, traditional yep. tight end. Mercedes Lewis is a glorified blocker that Correct. can get open when people forget about him. And Josiah has cemented himself as the fullback. Yeah, he's much more that that kind of H-back, fullback, tight end, hybrid kind of guy. Which he's looked good in. You yeah, know, no, I've liked what I've seen. On the, on the counter leads... He's done well in the runs to the outside. And then the mirror of that play, when we do play action based off those counters, you know, he's almost always open in the flat and we got four or five yards. And honestly, he looked pretty good uh, at the practice I was at. And I've seen some good things online about him 
in one-on-one matchups versus linebackers and safeties, and that really complemented his route running as well. So I think he can do some stuff, but yeah, he's still not going to be that that vertical threat down the seam. That's not his game. You said it when Big Bob went down, and I, I was like, oh no, Josiah's <laughs> going to do it just fine. I was wrong about that. <laughs> so it would be nice to have another vertical threat tight end. Tyler Davis yeah. was talked up all off season. He was supposed to be great. You know, he's like six, four, got a good frame for it in limited action last year. He showed some potential and mm-hmm. this year, just not the case. No, really disappointing. At this point, I'd be shocked if he makes the roster pretty, pretty far fall for that guy. So maybe jumping a little bit for our preview for what we're looking for, for tonight's game, but the tight end position for someone pleased to step up. Definitely something to watch for. Yeah, we got a couple new guys, right? Nate Becker and, and the other guy, your boy, my boy, Sal Canella. Yeah, Sal Canella. This guy definitely part of a mob or something for sure. Sal Canella looks just like Justin Perlo, and none of you know who he is. <laughs> Justin Perlo was a third or fourth string tight end that we had back like 2013, 2014. This guy was a big frame, right? Not super fast, good blocker, long head of hair. This also sounds like Tom Crabtree to me. Kind of does sound like Tom Crabtree. Very similar mold. So this guy, Sal Canella, he's like second year in the league. He did play in the UCFL, so he's got some experience. And also he's in shape because he was just playing in the UCFL. USFL. And USFL. My apologies. What did I say? UC. USFL. Whoops. He's 6'5". He's got good frame. I only really saw him in on some special teams reps. Um, but I'm hoping with, with how bad Tyler Davis played that Matt LaFleur is going to be really looking at the tight ends tonight, you know, between that. And we have a couple other guys that we've given some snaps to. Hopefully someone can make a jump and maybe, maybe take Tyler Davis's spot or Tyler Davis can, you know, do something. Maybe he redeems himself tonight, right? That'd be nice to see. Honestly, that'd be great. I don't really want to actively root against people, but when you're, unless your name's Dominic Daphne, true. Or Ty Summers. True. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Dominique and Ty, we're not friends. But I hope Tyler Davis just goes out and you know has three touchdowns and his confidence is fixed, and that's that. So let's talk for a second a little bit about the some of the other battles, right? For running back and wide receiver. So yeah. I think you touched on you touched on Winfrey, right? And I assume that he would be probably our last wide receiver spot. Him, Toure. The rest of the guys that don't really matter anymore, Hyman, like all that kind of stuff. I assume they're going for the last wideout spot. Are you saying six or seven? Let's let's block them down real quick. So what we got. Um, so we can say the top three, I think, are pretty much locks now. Yeah, for sure. Lazard, uh, Watkins was kind of up in the air, but Rogers has been talking about yeah, again. So he's and Cobb. So those three, and then you obviously four the rookies. dubs. Watson. Watson is five. Amari Rogers probably. Unfortunately. Six. So yeah, wide receiver seven. I'm going to say we're going to see what happens tonight, but I could see us keeping, if we only keep six, I could see us keeping Winfrey over Amari Rogers and putting Amari Rogers on the practice squad. I doubt it just for special teams personally. I really think they want him to be the kick returner and punt returner. We have Rico Gafford, who I think may make this roster, who is the fastest Packer that we have. And Amari Rodgers continues in this game to make poor decisions. He fielded a punt from the three-yard line. 
I'm just telling you what I'm thinking, man. I think we keep Amari Rodgers. He let a punt bounce on the 25 or 27. That was a touchback, thankfully. Yeah. But just like lack because of awareness. the Saints have the greatest punter of all time. Jesus, that dude has a leg. Yeah, dude, there were some punts in this game. It was pretty sweet. It was like 81 yards and then 67. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, we had the, the dueling punters and then the dueling running quarterbacks. Yeah, it, it was pretty great. It was preseason football, folks. It, it was pretty great. I think Winfrey gets it over Toure, which kind of makes me sad. I was really looking forward to Toure. Hopefully Toure can make the practice squad. That's what I'm thinking with what we've seen so far because Winfrey, like you said, is balled out. He's looked really good. Uh, I think he takes that seventh spot. If we do not keep Toure on the active roster, I don't think we can get him back to the practice squad. I think he has too much upside. I think he has shown a lot during training camp. I think someone picks him up, which is going to make me really sad because I really like him. Yeah, so do I. I just... He didn't have a great game, right? He had, like, what, one drop in double coverage? Well, he also had zero catches. How many times is he targeted? Just one. you got to make the most of your opportunities, oh man. Oh, my. Okay, let's see what he does tonight. One rush for negative two yards. Okay. I, I agree. I agree. we got to see what he's doing tonight. So let's pause for a second. What can Samari Torre do for you? Deep threat. Good blocker. I also believe, granted, he is a deep threat, but I believe if we get him the ball in space, he can make people miss. Devin, I don't disagree. I like Samari Toure. I just don't think at this point we're going to keep eight wide receivers. And I understand that, but at this point, what can Amari Rodgers do? In theory or in practice? In I, practice. I, I understand what you're saying, Devin. I'm just telling you what I think is going to happen, not necessarily what I would do. But maybe the people don't understand what I'm saying, Luke, so, so lay it on me. What can Amari okay, do? I think they want a backup slot. Honestly, I think that's part of it. How big is Toure? Put him in the slot. I mean, you could put anybody in the slot. Winfrey in the slot. Are you going to be comfortable with that? We had to put Winfrey in the slot. Yeah. Well, we had to put everybody everywhere at one point last year. Worked okay. Anyways, I think they want a true backup to Cobb. And they want somebody that can do the punt returner, kick returner, and they can just forget about it. And on paper, that's Amari Rochester. I think he's going to make this team for those reasons. And, and he, he had a really nice catch over the middle. You're not wrong. And he did have a nice catch over the middle. It was a great placement by Love behind him to kind of take him away from the oncoming defenders. That was really nice. Thank you for getting back to that because you mentioned Love taking care of his receivers earlier, and that was the one play I wanted to come back to. Yeah, that was great because if you. you lead him, it's an interception or the dude's head's getting cut off. Or it's, or it's a drop because he had another one of those. He did. No, 100%. He had a bad drop. I'm with you, Devin. I'm with you. I'm just telling you what I think is going to actually happen. It's just frustrating to see this guy who was touted as being a gadget player and elusive, and he just doesn't have it. Like, you know, the kick return, he followed his blocks, which is good vision. But, like, we've tried to get him. I think there was a bubble screen in the Saints game, and, like, it's him one-on-one with somebody. That's the ideal scenario, right? When you have a guy who is supposed to be a playmaker out in space and Amari just like doesn't make him miss. Like there's no there's no fast twitch, there's no juke, there's no elusiveness. It's hopefully I catch the ball, but then if you come near me, I'm being tackled right away. What about the play against uh the 49ers last week? Miracles do happen. <laughs> I don't disagree. He is less twitchy than than I would like. He's not like young cop. Young cop was twitchy, right? He was quick and elusive. He's on. He's supposed to be right. He's the same. Is this like not. sizest? If I say this, if you're that small, you have to be twitchy. 
No, to make it to the NFL, I think you do have to be twitchy. You have to be twitchy not only like just to be versatile because you know then you can't really go up and get it over guys, but also like you're a little dude. You have to be able to evade those big hits, and he just can't. I mean, he hasn't gotten clocked so far, but like in the open field, he's not making people miss. No, he really isn't. He really isn't. So maybe he proves us wrong this week. Maybe he comes out, has a great game tonight. And I'd be really happy to see that. Again, I guess Dominic Daphne is gone. Like, I'm not trying to hate on Amari. I'm just being honest. And if we can only keep X amount of players, I see Winfrey and Toure Torre now as being useful pieces of the offense in the passing game, whereas I see Amari as kind of a waste of a roster spot. Prove me wrong tonight, please. Did you see that they were, they in practice, they had him line up in the backfield a couple times? Why? Because we like doing that. I don't, I don't know if Devin. And I know we do, right? We did it with Randall Cobb back in the day. We've because done it with that Irvin. was fun. Done yeah. it with Swerving Irvin. Swerving Irvin. Swerving Irvin, Tavon Austin. Way more useful. And he literally didn't Rogers. really do anything. Those jet sweeps. It was fun when he got the ball in his hands. He but did he something. almost never got the ball in his hands. It was always a decoy, which is fine. But at this point, unless he shows something more, do you know what happens? If you put Amari Rodgers in the backfield at running back, what does that mean, Luke? It's a pass. What does that also mean? If he is in at running back, who is not? Our boys, yeah. Yeah. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who I'm going to say, my humble opinion, we have the best running back tandem in the league. There's, yeah. There's no, not a different it's, one it's that what, I would it's want. It's us and the Browns, really. That's yeah. what you're looking at. Um. I think he's probably on the field with one of those two in the backfield. Would be my guess. We'll see. I don't love it. I'm telling you, that's just another thing they're trying to do with him. I just, if they're willing to, to move him around that much, I assume they're going to be willing to keep him on the roster. Time will tell. And then offensive issues, offensive battles, tight end, or do you want to talk receiver? No, more? running back. I think running back's really the okay, only other one. Okay, we got a running back. I think tight end kind of is what it is. We're going to have some schmuck playing fourth tight end. And it's gonna not if it's, it's my be. boy. Not okay. if it's whatever his name is. The UCLA <laughs> guy with the bull ring and tattoos. He's 6'5". I love him. I know you do. If I he know makes the roster, Razul God might be in trouble. He might be my boy. <laughs> He's my boy on offense, at least. We'll say that. That's fair. That's fair. Goodson's got to be the running back, right? Oh, He has easily. to be. Easily. He is so much better than the other two. I want to pause and give you some credit. So I often re-listen to our show to make sure I'm not repeating myself too, too much. And just last week, Luke was really harping on the fact that, you know, we have, so we have AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones and they're, and they're solid and they're set and they're the starters. And then Kylan Hill looked good last year and he's sort of like up in that upper repertoire. And yeah. then you have Goodson, Patrick Taylor, and now Dexter Williams, the BJ Baylor, I think has been cut. So he's gone. Mm-hmm. Goodson is leaps and bounds better than the other two that we have. Oh, without a doubt. He is good out of the backfield catching. He is quick, but he also has beautiful vision. Rewatching some of the tape, we're running a lot of counters or like runs to the outside. So many of his biggest plays weren't running the counter, weren't running the designed play. You often look for a cutback lane, right? If mm-hmm. there's an open lane, yeah. maybe where the play isn't designed to go, but you have an opening, you take it. Especially considering we run a, a zone run scheme, right? Mm-hmm. So what that means is all the offensive linemen kind of block to an area. They're not like manned up on 
center versus nose tackle necessarily. They go to an area and block that area. And the beauty of that, and it kind of coming out of the Mike Shanahan offensive tree type of thing, which is why the Broncos had 1,000-yard rushers literally every year with anybody that decided to put on a uniform for them for a while. Like 10 straight years. Correct. Forever. Um, is that anytime there's a hole, you're just one cut away from finding it. Right. Mm-hmm. If a hole opens up one slot over from where you anticipated, no problem. Foot on the ground, boom, there you go. And Goodson's really showing that he has the ability to do that. Dexter and Patrick Taylor, which guys have been around the Packers for a while. I remember we did say nice things about Patrick Taylor last year against the Lions. Yeah, he's had some nice carries. Big bruising guy. But what we also talked about is that both these are guys where they're just they're slow enough to the point where like there's a hole. And they don't get through fast enough so a defensive lineman can grab them. And they're good for like two or three yards of carry, and that's it. It's not what we want when you have a guy who breaks off seven, eight, nine. And again, reportedly, he's great out of the backfield. Haven't seen it a whole lot yet, so I hope we throw him a screen or two tonight. But based upon you know, what running backs normally do out of the backfield, it's usually shorter routes. It's another opportunity for him to use the strength that is his vision can't wait to see it. Yeah, kind of some elusiveness there. He gets through the hole where the other two just kind of get to the hole. And right? then make a new friend and go to the ground. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Uh, so that's I'm really excited about him. I'm kind of curious what we're going to do long term with him and Hill. Are we going to keep four? Uh, maybe. And I believe Kyan Hill was placed on the pup this week. Yeah, so we don't have to do anything for a couple weeks. So he's out for four, four weeks, weeks. And then, yeah, we reassess. I mean, if Goodson's lighting it up. Maybe Kylan Hill practice squad. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. it's it's fun, and it's great to have like an RB3 that you're excited about, right? Yeah, I love when he gets the ball. So it's exciting. Like you said, it's exciting. So that's that's nice instead of like, oh, Patrick Taylor, definitely Dexter Williams. God, we, Ooh, we've Dexter, been down that road. Like one yard per carry for his career? Correct. Maybe on a good day? Like it's, it's rough. So I'm really happy to see that. Really, really happy to see that. Defense. Let's go to defense, man. All right, defense. So it starts up front, and the boys are balling out yet again. And I say that, and I don't think that we actually had a true accredited sack, but we were playing Ian Book, the second coming of Michael Vick, and my, oh, my, that boy can book it. You've been waiting this entire episode to do that pun, and and I'm here for it because, yeah, dude's got some wheels. Oh, did you read me like a book? Okay. Okay. We should. Let's turn the page. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I am so proud of you for that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Did you guys hear that, folks? Did Luke Mueller just one-up me on a dad joke pun on our show? I absolutely did. That's a career first. By golly. All right. Packers winning tonight. I feel that. <laughs> so, defensive line. Obviously, we got Prophets Town's own Jack Heflin. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that, by the way. Love that. So, you know, he's doing work. Um Consistent effort, you know, getting disruption to the backfield. Chris Slayton had a sack late, which was called back on a... Actually, it was a Jack Heflin penalty, hands to the face. Mm-hmm. We talk about this sometimes where we're analyzing a game, and even if, like, the play is taken away, I think it's so important to talk about, yeah, depending it, on the situation. Yeah, in preseason especially, it still counts towards signs of their development, right? Mm-hmm. Or who they could be as a player going forward. So Chris Slayton, I think, is balled out he's, all preseason. He's the better Slayton at this point. And I had no idea who he was two weeks ago. I think I told you when he <laughs> when he first came out, and it was like tackled by Slayton, and I saw number 60, and I was like, that is not what TJ Slayton wears. <laughs> Did he change his what number? What is going on here? And now we got two of them. 
And it's a little bit of extra spice because he comes from San Fran. Oh, I like that. I like so, that. You know, a little vengeance. I mean, they did take multiple of our players, Oren Burks. Was that it? No, they took uh, the corner. Um, oh, yeah. Kadar Holman's over yeah, there. Yeah, Kadar Holman. Yeah. yeah. Guys that I'm really losing sleep over. <laughs> <laughs> that you're happier gone. Yeah. So we had the, the taken away sack for Chris Layton, and then also yeah. JJ Anakbari had a sack that, I mean, he unfortunately like, got Ian Book by the horse collar. Isn't beautiful to see, but like the way that he just threw that man to the ground with his strength. Oh, loved it. And they also they Domination. showed right when when he got the sack, they kind of showed some replays of other plays where he got really close to a sack that kind of showed that it was probably frustration that he just flailed out to grind, to finally get it. But if you're that close to a sack every play, that's great. And oh, by the way, you know, pretty soon you're gonna be playing with Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, Rashawn Gary, right, Dean Lowry. Or even if you don't get home, your pressure is probably going to cause a sack somewhere else. Exactly. And also, most quarterbacks aren't Ian Book. Yeah, not great throwing the ball, but dude's I w- quick. I wanted to say he can book it again, but I, I held it in. Dude's quick. He's got some wheels. I'll bookmark that for later. Oh, God. He's elusive. He's an elusive <laughs> he one. Is, so he most is. quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins is not doing to that to us week one. It's just not happening. Mm-mm. So, yeah, really liked what I saw from him. And then as far as other linebackers go, Ladarius Hamilton's looked pretty good as probably linebacker four. Right? I was going to say, because I think J.J. Kingsley, whatever you want to call him, Enigbari, he has the third spot locked down. Yeah, I think he's locked that. That fourth spot is really open. Hamilton's made a good push. And again, fans of the show are probably like, guys, like, why does that matter? Because, my friend, we do two-by-two two rotations. Yes. Like, three and very, four will very play. solidified, yeah. So... I remember it was like one group for first and second down and then one group for third or like maybe first and then second and third. So whether it's uh, Randy Ramsey's gone, but he was a staple for a while. Right. Jonathan Garvin, Tipa, or Tipa, Mr. Hamilton. Hamilton and then JJ. Yeah. So what I'm again, that's another position to watch for tonight. Who's going to win that fourth outside linebacker job? Yep. Be it's, fun an, to see. it's an important job. It's an important job. And, and also that's a position that you could easily get injured at. Right. One injury, and all of a sudden, the fourth one and the third one are playing really meaningful snaps. And that means a lot when you're also taking, like, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith's spot. Correct. We can't have a complete fall-off in production there. No. You can't be useless. It would really change the scheme if we had to. Right, because now we're going to rely on the pressure and the the skill sets that those two bring because they're such an important part of our defense. Now, a position where there is no battle, there is just dominance. This middle linebacker core... I'm going to say it now. looks like the best middle linebacker core that I can remember as a Packers fan. I think I probably agree with you because of the depth. Obviously, we've had, we've had I want to say great, we've had very good inside linebackers, right? We had Nick Barnett, we had A.J. Hawk, Desmond Bishop there for a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen high-level play. But that was one guy. This depth is insane. It's incredible, right? So, Demondre Campbell, obviously, isn't playing. It's preseason. Quay Walker... I mean, he didn't super jump off the table, but like on Ian Book's scrambles, he's one of the guys to clean him up. He does mm-hmm. seem to be in the right place at the right time, which is all you can really ask for as a rookie. I'd like to see some some more splashes. It would be nice. But I think he'll be fine. But, I mean, the Steelers of the show on defense, especially against the Saints. McDuffie and Barnes Isaiah out. Isaiah McStuffie. You, you I mean, go he, towards him? Uh-uh. He was flying around. There was no hesitation. No. You think about 
especially defensive guys early on in their career, you're so scared of making a mistake. And we always talk about this, right? You can't play afraid. The yeah. best decision is making the right decision. The second best decision is making the wrong decision. The worst decision is no. not making a decision, which in NFL terms means you're playing scared. You're playing slow. You're not right. jumping that gap, even if it's the wrong gap. Yeah, a lot of what defense comes down to in, in all levels of football, right? I experienced this a little bit in high school, and, and I know it obviously gets magnified as you go up, right? Is you have to be able to see one thing. You have like one key and fire, go, whatever that means. Don't that means doubt it. Right. Go. That means you're bailing because you think that wide receiver is on a go route. That means you're attacking because you think, oh, this gap's about to open up for the running back. Whatever it may be, you got something you're looking for, you're keen in on, and then fire, just go hit it, do whatever you got to do. And that's he no hesitation from McDuffie or Barnes. They looked like men among boys. I said this before the show, and I'm going to get some flack for this, and I don't really care. Some of Chris Barnes' plays looked like something out of a Ray Lewis highlight film. I'm talking about just tracking down like ball carries out of the backfield, like on short dump offs. He had a couple pass breakups, but also yeah. like guys just getting the ball dumped off and then he's dumping them off. Like down by the river is how hard he hit them. I mean, he crushed some people and I loved it. And one play I want to bring up because I, I watched a couple, a little bit of highlights right before this just to kind of get into the, into the groove, right? Mm-hmm. And. McDuffie on a screenplay. So the Saints ran ran a quick screenplay to the running back. He weaved through some people, um, made a good gain, and then McDuffie's running up there, and there's a lineman between him and the running back. So it's sideline, running back, lineman, McDuffie. And McDuffie makes a brilliant decision here. Knows that, hey, the lineman's going to block me. I can't do anything about that. So what am I going to do? Just straight up chuck the lineman into the running back and knock him out of bounds. Never touch the running back. Running back up, ends up laying on the ground out of bounds. Because he just chucked the lineman at him. Love that. It's perfect. Isaiah out here making biblical plays. I would expect nothing less. (laughs) Oh, my God. And, yes, Chris Barnes is not Ray Lewis. However, he played with so much aggression in that game where he was flying around. And if our third and fourth string linebackers are destroying people, and I get they're playing against backups, right? I understand. Chris Barnes is a starter in this league for most teams. Or at least a lot of teams. He started for us, right? If our depth is destroying people like that, I just I cannot wait to see this against against live real competition come week one. And I do hope in like third and fourth third and short and fourth and short situations. I hope the Barnes is part of that package. As much as I love Quay Walker and what I think he's going to become. I mean, Chris Barnes, I think, is the heaviest hitter on this defense. And it's awesome because he's such an evolved version of that kind of secondary thumper linebacker we've had a million of, and they've all been not great. And he's really good. And we've talked about his past coverage skills have gone through the roof. He's made a lot of strides there. I almost feel bad calling him like a thumper because I'm automatically you think like, oh, this guy can't cover. And that's just right. not the case. This is not BJ Goodson. Mm-mm. God, he wasn't good at anything. <laughs> he really wasn't. He didn't deserve the name. <laughs> he really didn't. All right, Dominic Daphne, BJ Goodson. There's <laughs> my like ultimate disappointment list. Correct, correct. So really, really great stuff there. Uh, we should probably bring up real quick the safeties. Oh yes, because that's I, I think corners are a little bit more decided, somewhat. Yeah, we can just we can blitz on corners real quick. So obviously we got Jair Stokes and Razul. Man's trying too hard over here now. I'm not trying too hard. It's it's one up to who I am. One up you once, and then every other word out of your mouth's got to be a pun now. <laughs> So I'm a punny guy. You can get over it. All right, so you have the top three, the Holy Trinity. 
And then you got Keyshawn Nixon, I think, is four. Shamar is five. And then if we keep six, like Rico Gafford's kind of a project, right? Probably Gafford or Ento, right? One of those guys. I'd probably take Gafford just because he's a little bit faster. And did and he's a pro- have a pick. Right, and he's a project we haven't had for a year or two, which mm-hmm. Ento is. So, yeah, I'm fine with taking a new project. That's fine. And I would say we have a less likely chance if we would, you know, try to put both of them on the practice squad. I think that Rico Gafford would have a higher chance of being stolen than KB and Ento would. Yeah, We've had probably. KB and on the practice squad for I feel like ten years. <laughs> and he's been in the league for two. So not really sure how that happens, but he can be safe there. But yeah, yeah let's bounce up to second to uh the secondary to safeties. So Darnell Savage is banged up with what, Luka hamstring? Yeah, whatever. I mean, whatever. Doesn't matter. He's fine. So Obviously, Amos and Savage are not playing in this game. So our first string safeties, like our first backups, whatever, maybe Dalvin Levitt would be in there, but he's also severely banged up. Yep. Forced a fumble last week. I don't know if he officially broke his elbow, but that's what it looked like. Rough. Put into floor. It's a significant injury, so he'll be out for a while. Mm-hmm. So this guy, Vernon Scott, drafted him, I think, last year, seventh round out of TCU. Yeah, yeah, kind of a, a big guy, more of an Amos mold. I always, I liked him. And well, he was getting a lot of third safety. He was reps. safety three. Yeah. yeah. Well, he had a rough game, and then we <laughs> cut him afterwards with like an injury designation. So right, which means we can't bring him back. He can go sign with another team, but he can't come back with us. So he's gone. We also have Sean Davis, who started next to him, who I like, but when I'm watching the film, he's just he's raw, right? All these safeties that I like, they're raw. He did have a nice fumble return, but it was just right place, right time. Yeah, it's not like he forced it or made a great play on the ball or anything. No, he was there. Missed a bad tackle on special teams, yeah. which the kicker thankfully tackled the guy or also would have been a kick to the house. So we're still working on special teams as well. Thankfully, we have a backup kicker we can just sacrifice during the preseason. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, we don't need him. As much as I you know, tease the Silver Fox, these... These street kickers. Well, real quick, I'm sorry. Did you hear about the Jaguars? Oh, fill me in. They uh they had three kickers mm-hmm. in a kicking competition. Ended up cutting all three of them. So they just signed a new one this week. Trevor like today. Kicking maybe? Maybe, maybe. maybe. So here's their kind of last shot here. So if you have a kicking competition, then cut all of them. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be real bad. <laughs> yeah. Like they all missed all their kicks. Everyone just go home. You're fired. All of you. I think like one of them got injured, so kind of got cut with the injury designation type of thing, and the other two just sucked. So back to the safety room. So we have Sean Davis, okay. And then in between last week's game and this game, we signed Micah Abernathy. Who played where? What league did he play in? USFL. I'm proud of you. So he just finished a season, so the man's going to be in shape. Did have an interception uh, where they were looking for Taysom Hill and Taysom Feldon on the route. But still, Abernathy had to come over the top of Taysom Hill, and get his feet in bounds. Former Packer great Taysom Hill. Yeah, you're talking about like top five Packer misses acquisition-wise, like not re-signing that guy, letting him walk. Well, yeah, just we cut him out of preseason. Yeah, stupid. Preseason Hall of Famer Taysom Hill. <laughs> Even my dad was like, he's fun to watch, and he never says stuff like that. <laughs> never. Like, we could have done something with him. I guarantee if we did not have uh, uh, Mike McCarthy and if... If we had our boy Matt LaFleur, we would have kept him. I would like to think that as well. He would have figured out something. He could have played tight end. We need a tight end. I would take him as tight end 2.5. Yeah, no, he'd be I, fine. I don't want to shit on Big Dog. I love Big Dog. He just has a very specific role. That he does. Anyways, 
Mike Abernathy diving interception over the top of Taysom Hill, which, yeah, it's not a pick if Taysom Hill doesn't fall down, but it makes an incredible play coming over the top of the guy laying on the ground. Get a knee inbounds, catch the ball, boom, interception. Fantastic splash, splash play. Mm-hmm. I believe he also blew up a screen later as well. So he made did. some splash plays there. Aggressive play, which I know is really important to our defensive coordinator and the floor, just the staff as a whole. So, I mean, all of a sudden, this guy has a potential shot to make the roster. There was another guy. I don't remember his name. We signed him, too. He had a nice couple tackles in the safety room. It's really it's really wide open, and it's kind of frightening at this point. Yeah, a little bit. Was that Cross? Is that, it was, was that Cross. That yeah, yeah, that's the guy. But, I mean, like, who do we even have at safety left? Cross, Abernathy. Uh, yep. Yeah. Which, again, guys are like, guys, it's a third safety. What does it matter? No, it matters when we go with a lot of three safety sets or, heaven forbid, yep. one of the two gets injured, which currently Savage is hurt. So, like, we need, we need to do something yes. here. Yes, and while... The counterpoint to that would be we're going to go a lot less three safeties with Quay mm-hmm. because that third safety frequently was some combination. Somebody was in the box, basically, to go along with Devondre. <clears throat> in theory, we're not going to do that as much now that we have Quay. We're going to stay in a little bit more base personnel. We'll see. Yes, we'll see. which is true, but... You still need a third safety. Savage needs to throw the play, yeah, and if he's not healthy, then who are we putting out there? Correct. And right now, unless we see significant gains, whoever it's going to be... If you're the offensive coordinator playing us each week, you're looking like you're going to find where he is every single play. Absolutely. Anything else from Saints? Happy we showed up this time, you know? Yeah, unlike last time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not really. I think we pretty much covered it. it looked pretty good. Um, I was a little worried there on the kick return because I thought our special teams looked so good week one of the preseason. Did not like seeing the kick return on week two. Yeah, bad kick return. We had a some bad punt returns that we kind of talked about. I just, yeah, not great special teams week two. Inexcusable twelve men on the field. Flashbacks, man. Get flashbacks to incorrect numbers of people. Now I will say this: the only time I will ever give an excuse, not an excuse, it shouldn't happen anyways, for special teams, is in the preseason, right? Because you have dedicated groups of people for all these teams right so you have the dedicated field goal team you have the dedicated punt return team so on and so forth and in preseason this can kind of get jumbled up because they want to see people in different spots that kind of thing that doesn't really happen in the regular season you kind of set it and forget it for the most part unless there's an injury and as we talked about we signed multiple guys in the defensive secondary like backup safeties who oh by the way if you're going to be backup safety that means you pretty much have to play on special teams so there was a lot of those guys getting in time so, like like you said, I mean, kind of grain of salt, but it's still disappointing to see. Yeah, I still don't want to see it from a a structural and procedural standpoint, but I can kind of understand it. We'll see what this week looks like. On to the Chiefs? Yeah, on to the Chiefs game. All right, let's talk about who are the Packer players who need to have the biggest games tonight. We probably already touched on this, but let's just hammer it out. Well, Tyler Davis, I think, because if he sucks again, he's got to be gone, right? He's got to be. I think him and Amari Rogers are two of the big ones. Um, yeah, for for roster safety, yeah. I think those are the two biggest ones. I mean, for overall performance, I would say that Jordan Love. We've talked about this. We want to see him just continue to build on what he's been doing the last couple of weeks. 
But the other one is, is if he plays, my God, I want to see what Christian Watson can do. Oh, my God, do I ever. Just throw that man the ball every play and just see what happens. Please do. Like, I don't care if we throw 10 interceptions. I just want to see the guy jump and run and catch. Like, I just want to see it. I'm so excited. Because Romeo has been building this hype, right? Building this hype. Oh, my God, he's amazing. Building this hype. Building this hype. Rodgers already said we're not even talking about normal rookie expectations with him. We're raising the bar. At this point, that's great. Christian Watson's supposed to be better, in theory. I mean, Romeo is more of a tech, tactician, mm-hmm. more of a technician, right? A little bit more skilled, well-rounded. But Christian Watson could just be a monster. Yeah, we said before, like after the draft, that Romeo Dubs appeared to be the more pro-ready receiver, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You're taking him in the fourth round and, right. and Watson in the second. But yeah, man, I, I can't wait to see what he can do. And from all the interviews, Watson seems like a real team-friendly guy. And I don't think there's any animosity toward Dubs. But, like, as a man, you got to be like, listen, I came in here to be the dog, and I'm going to show you what's up. Yeah, like, I got drafted to be wideout number one at some point. I'm going to show you why. Exactly. And as we've said, we've already seen him do it in green-yellow, so we know that he can. Oh, 100%. I mean, I I got the images in my head already. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. (laughs) This dude's catching, like, a 60-yard bomb tonight. So it'd be great to see him. Uh, I think that Goodson, it'd be good to see more out of him, but he's pretty much solidified his spot. I think so at this point. Um, I know Patrick Taylor's supposed to be very good at pass pro, but at this point I'd rather use that kind of back into the roster spot on potential personally. Yeah, unless you have absolutely zero IQ out of Goodson at pass pro, I would take his upside over Patrick Taylor's one strength any correct. day of the week. 100% correct. And then I think on defense, the only really thing, I guess you know we are watching – the fourth outside linebacker spot. Yeah, I think that's fair between Hamilton and, and the rest of them. But for me, it really just goes back to safety. That's what I'm going to keep on harking on is can someone, can two people please step up? Because we need to have at least four. Yeah. I prefer to keep five, but we need to have at least four. At least four. Now, maybe we get away with having one less if we carry more linebackers, that kind of thing. But my question also is I have no idea who we're keeping on the defensive line. Like, in my head this whole time, I just kind of assume we're keeping, like, all of them because they all seem to be good. It's going to be really tough There's to make no, these cuts. Right. Are we going to keep both Slaytons? I kind of think so. What happened to Isaiah Ford? Where's he? He made a splash play last week. He made yeah, a tackle got, for loss. I, I think know, you can put like, Ford. I think you can keep him on the practice squad. All right. Let, let's just play this game right now. Little prediction. So, we got so two Slaytons. Yeah. Kenny Clark. Yeah. Dean Lowry. Yeah. It's four. Jaron Reed. Five. What's his face? Uh, Devontae Wyatt. Six. Jack Heflin. Seven. Seven sounds about right. Isaiah three Ford. Three defensive tackles. I think that might be the group. I think you put Ford, his big old butt, back on the practice squad. But usually, you know, I, I'd like to keep three defensive tackles, two ends on each side. And Slayton technically lines up as an end. I, that feels like a lot. There was like too many for what essentially is three positions. You're keeping We're seven gonna be guys. Going a lot bigger this year, though. Uh, maybe, in theory. It ju- it just feels like I assume we're keeping all of them, but I doubt we keep all of them. So maybe your boy Heflin misses out, and he's practice oh, squad. I would. I would I mean, be so him, sad. I'm running out of people from Illinois. Oh, stop! You still have Big Bob. Where's Danny Vitale when I need him? I think he's done. 
Yeah, no, I saw like a video on Instagram. He's like working out in Gold's Gym, just being a huge person at this point. In the Colts gym? Gold's Gym. Oh, Gold's like Gym. Like Venice Beach type dude, stuff. Dude, for him. Yeah, no, dude's ripped. Loved him. Yeah, he was great. Fullback wheels. I got what? Dean Lowry. Big Bob. Big Bob and Jack Heflin. Down to three. Where's Tyler Lancaster? Is he a free agent? He should, I have no he idea. shouldn't be. No, he. I mean, he's like usable. He's usable as like a third defensive tackle. Oh my God, there's, there's something we haven't even talked about. We never even touched on the offensive line. I mean, the fact Any that the boys are coming back is very exciting. Well, yeah, but like Jack Hansen, is he actually Jake Hansen? Whatever his it's name is. Jake Hansen. It's Jake Hansen. Is he actually going to start at right guard? There's no way. No, 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 no. Well, so, all right. Yeah, we should have hit on that at some point. Elton Jenkins is back to practicing at right tackle. Bakhtiari is, he's back now, right? At left tackle? I think so, yeah. Or he's at least off the PUP, whatever. He's yeah. scheduled to play week one. In theory. So, if we go Bakhtiari at left. You go Elton Jenkins at right tackle. I believe you move Royce Newman back to right guard. You have JRJ at left guard, and you have Josh Myers at center. You had a whole lot of man and a whole lot of excitement. Well, I think maybe. Does Royce Newman stay there? I mean, Zach Tom's been playing. Zach Tom's played literally every position this preseason. Uh, Is he potentially a guard option? Is he potentially a tackle option? Uh, Caleb Jones looked really good, I thought, personally. I got to show... He was nice for my grandma. I got to shout him out literally every, at least in the preseason. He has to get a shout out every every episode. I wanted to bring him up too because I think when you're watching a lot of NFL games, it's really hard to tell the size of some people. Correct. Like even Derrick Henry, who was just a behemoth. Like you don't really see it until you have a different camera angle of like him and Deion Lewis next to each other, who is this little like 5'9 scat back. But just the angle of the broadcast, unless they go like in the huddle, it's hard to tell. Right. Except for Caleb Jones. Oh, <laughs> my Lord. Watching that man. He's so much bigger than everyone else. <laughs> he is the mountain. That is he his nickname. Is. He's so big. And I thought he actually looked good. Like, legitimately. Yeah. You know, you worry about guys being, if they're that big, right? You can't be low in your stance. You're, you know, susceptible to more moves and being off balance. I thought he looked great. He showed some power. He looked confident. Yeah, I, I heard he lost some weight coming in because he when we signed him he was a little heavier. Lost some weight to try to get that agility. You know, he's all the way down to like three seventy. Yeah, so he was like lightweight four, lightweight right there. Um, but I thought he legitimately looked good. Maybe he plays into played into why Cole Van Lannen, the Green Bay kid, he went to high school in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's part of why they let him go wasn't Cole Van Lannen more of a guard? Or are you just talking like numbers? I'm talking numbers. Yeah, I was gonna say with Cole Van Lannen. It was one of our backup offensive linemen, was traded to the tech Texans. No, that was Jaguars. 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 One of those for a seventh pick. No conditions. Straight up seventh rounder. Straight up seventh rounder. Same thing we have for Kadar Holman, I believe. We weren't going to play either one anyway. It doesn't matter. So yeah, perfect. So that makes his path to the roster even easier. I mean, it shouldn't be that difficult. Like, what other off the top of your head? So if we have our starting five back, what? Backup offensive lineman do we have? So then Jake Hansen. Jake Hansen for sure, right. <clears throat> I thought we were going to keep Cole Van Lannan. Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan. Zach, Zach Tom. Tom. Rashid Walker, maybe. And your boy. Is he still a person? I think Caleb Jones. It's nice to have like a whole second team line. So I think that works. I think so. Who's the backup? Oh, Jake Hansen's the backup center. Mm-hmm. And okay. he did have some snaps at center against New Orleans and did fine. 
just yeah, that's fine. Good to give him some snaps, right? That's fine. And Zach Tom can play every position, so you're fine with him. Ryan can play guard for sure. Yeah, and if Zach Tom beats Newman out or whatever, however that works, he got Newman. I, I feel pretty good about it, but it feels like Caleb Jones legitimately is going to make this team, which I did not believe a month ago. Yeah, he's totally making the team. The other Penn State tackle, Walker, I mean, he might make the practice squad, but I wouldn't be surprised if we keep him. Neither would I. Super raw. I think he may have been dealing with an injury as well. I think. Maybe I just sh- practice squad him. Make him, like, him. make him like Yash 2.0. It's fine. Caleb Jones is supposedly, well, at least people thought was Yash 2.0. That's a high bar now. That's actually a very high bar. Legitimately, we just kind of like kept Yash just hidden for two years and then just kind of whipped him out when we needed him one time and poof. Here's this fully formed lineman that can go up against Joey Bosa and do just fine. Correct. Who was a giant that like super raw, bad technique. And within two years, we got him to potentially a starting NFL caliber lineman. Great development. Really shout out to Steno, the uh, offensive line coach. Steno kills it. Who is now our OC. So again, it's, I mean, we don't really see that in the preseason, like exciting play calls, but it will be fun going forward to see how he does things, you know, we think we might be a little bit more of a run-heavy attack. You would think with an offensive line coach, we'd be more of a run-heavy attack. You would think so. We have Luke Buckus as our current offensive line coach. I mean, we got, with those two, we got to run the football. And if we have the three horses of Dylan Jones and Mr. Goodson, no all offense, kind and help. All but. very different, by the way. Very different. Mm-hmm. I like that. We got a lot of versatility on this offense. Man, I'm looking forward to this. I'm excited. Amen. And kickoff's only 40 minutes away. Only 40 minutes. All right. Any other uh, closing thoughts? I would just like to point out that we are now on Spotify. Oh, yeah. That's a big deal. That's right. Good job. Thank you. I finally got us on Spotify. That's been a year in the making. They are very picky. I completely gave up. Luke was like, Devin, we're on Spotify yet? And I'm like, I tried three times. I'm done. (laughs) Like, if you want to go for it, buddy, that's all you. I totally waved the white flag. I made it my mission. Absolutely made it my mission. So we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Amazon Music. So most places you find podcasts, you can find our lovely voices. <laughs> uh, we also have an Instagram page at South of the Cheddar Curtain. <laughs> and the email address. And the email address, South of Cheddar Curtain at gmail.com. If you would like to reach out to us and tell Devin to stop using so many terrible puns, that would be appreciated. One of us would appreciate it. <laughs> One of us would appreciate you being a listener to the show and tolerate your comments. <laughs> Luke gets very defensive about my jokes. He wouldn't sit for it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Tell yourself that. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think we're good here. So until next time. Go, Paco. Go, Paco.